0: Hi, welcome to Trekker's Life. My name is Brandon Ingle and today I'm sitting down with Jarrett Bees from the South Dakota Kayak Challenge. Uh, how are you doing today?
1: doing great Brandon. I really appreciate you having me on your pod.
0: Yeah, thank you. Um, so let's talk a little bit about your background and how you got into kayaking and where you're from and sure. what you do. Uh,
1: I'm originally from Sioux Falls, South Dakota. I had grew up in the south uh, eastern part of the state I uh, got into kayaking uh, through a buddy, uh, he was in law school while I was in grad school in Minnesota, and he got a kayak, and he worked days, and I worked nights, and so I borrowed his boat a number of times, and paddled on Lake Minnetonka, and first time I'd ever really been in a kayak, and I was in my 20s, bought my first boat in 1999, I've been paddling ever since.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: it's just been, I think I, maybe I tried a canoe, or was in a canoe once or twice as a, as a kid, but I'd never really seen a, a kayak other than on um, the Battle of the Network stars and or, uh, Wild Wild wide world of sports. Yeah. Uh, so I'd seen, uh, I guess, whitewater kayaks, but I really didn't know anything about sea kayaks until uh, that summer in uh, Minnesota when my buddy got one and uh, got to mess around with his and learn how, to, how it worked and what the advantages uh, of a kayak were over a canoe and just really fell in love with it.
0: Have you done much whitewater or have you stuck to the flatwater boats typically?
1: Uh, mostly just uh, sea kayaks and flatwater boats. Uh, yeah. Played around in a whitewater boat during uh pool sessions. I've gone through a little whitewater in a, in a sea kayak, but, you know, just little ripples, more than, you know, class one at the most. Um, I, it does really intrigue. I, I think it's a, an amazing sport, but um, I live in here in the heart of the Midwest, there's just not a lot of uh, places opportunities to to do that. But uh, it's certainly uh, fun to watch the videos and see people go over waterfalls and that sort of thing. Yeah. But uh, no, most of my paddling I've done just I guess I started you know uh, when I got my own boat on the Big Sioux River and some lakes around um, Sioux Falls, and then uh, got an opportunity. Uh, I was a reporter and got an opportunity to cover uh, a new outfitter service that had started on the Missouri River. In Vermillion, South Dakota, and that was right around 2000, and learned a lot with that. That was the first time I paddled on the Missouri River, and it's about eight years later, the Department of Tourism here in South Dakota had noticed the Missouri River 340 and thought it would be a, a great event for us to try to emulate in South Dakota, since the Missouri River cuts the state in half, and we've got a lot of great water. I was a part of the South Dakota Canoe Association at the time, and Uh, a board member, and uh, one of my friends on the board, he and I uh, started to plan uh, trying to have a bigger event on the Missouri River in South Dakota. And um, at the time we tried it, we had a location in the sort of north-central part of the state on Flatwater, and only ended up having one person sign up, and (laughs) we realized that was maybe um, not a great uh, location. So we uh, scrapped that plan and built a new one, and uh, that's how the South Dakota chi- Kayak Challenge uh, came to be. Uh, 2010 was the first year we ran it. We had about 80 people from dozen states uh, come up and take part, and uh, we've been doing it ever since.
0: Oh, beautiful. How many people did you have last year?
1: Last year we had about 160, and the year before that. Um,
0: so it's grown quite a bit.
1: Um, I think the year before that was the biggest year, and I think it was like 171, I think was the total number of. Participants the day of, so we usually get uh, somewhere in that one hundred fifty to two hundred people. You know, I'd say we get a great mix of people who've never paddled that far or never have been on the Missouri River, or you know, kind of spreading their wings and going from strict recreational paddling to something a little bit more significant. Yeah, Uh, we do get a lot of uh, experienced racers as well, and and I I think this last year we had people from twenty states. Canada and uh, this year uh, we already have a couple dozen people signed up for the May event so we're um, excited to kind of keep it going nice thing about our stretch is uh, a lot of it three-quarters of it is on the National park the Missouri National Recreational River so
0: oh, beautiful uh, we
1: partner with that organization and just um, give people a, a kind of a <clears throat> unique opportunity to explore the waterway and not a lot of uh, boat traffic uh, a lot of types of watercraft are uh, prohibited on that stretch. Racers or participants do uh, experience some boat traffic as they get closer to South Sioux City, Nebraska, where our finish line is. But uh, for the first 60 miles, it's a few fishing boats and uh, lots and lots of water and lots of uh, bluffs and cottonwood forests and bald eagles and sandbars. So it's a unique course. Uh, we've had a lot of people who've done that uh, big 340 mile race down in Missouri who come up and do our race as either a, huh. uh, a tune-up or you know, just for fun. And uh, and I think a lot of them are surprised at just how much uh, wider and um, more shallow and those challenging wind and sandbars that we have here on the uh, South Dakota-Nebraska border that compared to what they're used to paddling down in the, between Kansas City and St. Louis.
0: Yeah. So is it open to only kayaks then? It's not open to any other types of boats?
1: Nope. It's open to all paddled craft. In fact, um, every year we always have a few uh, canoers, plenty of surf skiers, uh, people who are you know, pretty advanced and want to go really fast. So yeah. surf skis, uh, kayaks, canoes. We also have a few um, fellows that have found our way to us paddle these offset canoes that have kind of a rowing configuration for the paddle. So you know, like a rowboat you'd be facing opposite the direction in which your boat was going and this has a kind of an offset piston system that allows them to see where they're going and, and paddle as if you were paddling a rowboat. No. These guys um are pretty enthusiastic. So and then we've uh had people in the past who've asked about uh using a a sail or you know using a supplementary propulsion from uh, a pedal drive and those people are anything that's human powered uh, is welcome obviously if someone came out in a full-on sailboat it really wouldn't (laughs) work real well they'd probably end up winning but uh we would uh entertain uh, you know try to figure out a way to to make that work we have an open class where we had um, people uh, three or four people in a in a kayak or a canoe, so um, it's open to any uh, powered craft. Uh, we just use the word kayak in the original naming of it, yeah. and um, uh, but it is open to all paddling enthusiasts uh, you, regardless of the craft.
0: Do you get many uh, stand up boarders every year?
1: Or? Um, we have had a stand up paddleboarder. I think it was twenty thirteen, yeah. and that's how um, he finished. And then we had a a finisher on a stand-up paddleboard last year as well. In fact, uh, both of the longer races that we do on the Missouri River, because a few years after we started the challenge, I had uh, came up with another comparable race uh, of 50 miles on another stretch of the national park. That gentleman uh, from Colorado had come out, and he did stand-up paddleboard on both stretches, and he was a finisher as well. So we see a few not... I would say it's, you know, usually one or, or two people for both of those events every year.
0: Yeah, what was that other race?
1: Well, the other race, it's kind of a mirror image because yeah, the Missouri National Recreational River, it's kind of a mouthful of a national park, yeah. um, is, is divided into two chunks. The westernmost piece is a 39-mile district, and then the 59-mile district is between uh, Yankton, South Dakota, and Ponca, Nebraska. Yeah. And so out in the western uh part I basically built uh an event just like the South Dakota kayak challenge, but on the uh the western part of the, the park. Yeah, it's called the Fort Field fifty paddle battle. <laughs> and the Fort Field is a um starts at Fort Randall Dam and ends in Springfield and it's fifty miles long. So I like alliteration and yes. uh, it's a fifty mile race. So and that's kind of a nice um uh Event too, uh, it's it's more remote. Uh, the waters are a little less fast moving, but it's uh, it's been steady too. We had 80 people who took part in that last year. Had 100 the first year, uh, but usually end up somewhere between 65 and and 80 people that uh, join us every July for that event. Oh, perfect. Yeah, we did it four years in a row now. So 72
0: miles, um, what kind of people are entering this race? Is it uh, experienced paddlers only, or do you get some people who are hobbyists or enthusiasts?
1: Um, we do get a lot of what we would call adventure class because we have uh, two overarching categories, uh, competitive and adventure. So if, um, if you want to come out and try to see how fast you can do it, um, usually sign up in the competitive class. Um, if you want to come out and just see if you can finish, or uh, you know, have the adventure of, of taking part in that uh, beautiful water, uh, you can join the adventure class. And then within those two overarching categories, we have uh, men's and women's uh, solos, tandems, and then uh, mixed tandems, as well as the open class that I mentioned before. It's a uh, great mix because we do have people who uh, maybe have never paddled the Missouri River and want to do it in a controlled setting because you know we take care of the infrastructure and have a lot of the uh, pieces put in place so that if you and me were going to go up, paddle the Missouri River, we'd kind of have to figure out where we were going to meet and where we were going to drop a vehicle off and how we were going to move the boats to where we were going to start and then um, paddle down to that spot and then you know uh, do the logistics and sh- shuffling the cars and kayaks again. And that's one nice thing about our event is people can um, – just sign up for it, and we take care of basically all of those uh, aspects of it. You just show up with a kayak, and we can provide a shuttle so that you can drop your vehicle off at the finish. Uh, the other thing that we build in too is we have four checkpoints, and so if someone um, comes out and and this happens a lot, you um, know, 72 miles is just too much. You know, they you know if they get to that first checkpoint and and they're you know, they hit the wall, um, then they can just uh, be, be done for the day. And then we have enough volunteers that we can just uh, keep an eye on their uh, kayak, uh, give them a ride back to their car, and then they can come and pick up their kayak and then and head home. And then we have four checkpoints. So, you know, if they hit the wall later or sooner, um, there, there's a place for them to uh, to wrap it up for the day without feeling compelled to keep paddling, even if they're uh, dead tired or injured or just, you know, don't have anything left in the tank. So with that sort of system built in, it does allow for a person of just about any um, skill level uh, to take part. And, you know, if uh, if we've had a lot of people who, you know, they get to the first checkpoint that first year and and that's when their um, behind is, is whooped and uh, they uh, come back the next year and Maybe uh, make it to the third checkpoint or maybe they finish. So it's uh, built in in such a way that it's kind of a big tent event. You know, certainly we're going to have some uh, rabbits that are aiming to finish in, you know, eight or nine hours. But it's a 30-hour time limit. So if you get to that fourth checkpoint and it's starting to get dark, you still have until 1 p.m. the next morning to finish. So you can hunker down and, you know, maybe just wait for first light at the last checkpoint then um, get up in the morning and still have time to knock out that last 16 miles and be a finisher. So we uh, built it that way intentionally so that, you know, people who, you know, maybe hear just the basic facts, 72 miles, you know, don't feel like it would be impossible for them to do it. The last couple of years, we haven't had any uh, next day finishers, but um, we have had that in years past. Um, you know, we'd have a little group that uh, spends the night at that last checkpoint or uh, and then uh, they get up and finish the next day.
0: Because you guys don't encourage racing at night or kayaking at night. or?
1: Well, and in years, there was one year where we had the last people of the night come in at like 5 a.m. So they were paddling yeah. through the dark. But, yeah, it's, um, it's not a very wise decision to make. Don't have it built in the rules. So you have to have nighttime navigation, um, going, uh, lights for your boat so that you're visible. But, you know, once the sun sets on the Missouri river, um, you're not going to see any, uh, boats out there. There's just so much loose debris and, you know, yeah. you know, every few minutes a log is falling into the river somewhere. And, you know, it's, uh, you just, you could uh, reach down to take a swipe with your paddle and end up hitting a, a log or something. And, um, uh, you know, so it is, um, I wouldn't say, life-threatening, but, you know, it is certainly more risk to paddle in the dark. We, you know, we, we try to work, you know, there's usually those people that, that are doing that, you know, we uh, keep close to eye on them. And another nice thing about our event, if you're, you're just joining up with us to take part, um, we're completely dialed in with federal, state, local, and um, county level resources. So we have uh, search and rescue teams, uh, county sheriffs, emergency medical, emergency, uh, you know, everything, and, and that are aware of our event. And they, you know, aren't so much uh, patrolling the beach um, from Yankton to South Sioux City, City, but they are uh, in a position where they can um, help us out if, if we do have someone who gets lost or some uh, bad weather, or things of that nature, we can um, make sure that they are taken care of.
0: So what would the paddler need to have with them?
1: Well, we have a required gear list, and then we also have a uh, uh, recommended gear list. And the uh, required, of course, is a uh, U.S. Coast Guard-approved life jacket, uh, a cell phone with uh, inside a waterproof container of some sort, uh, a liter of water, a whistle. uh, And then we also give everyone a laminated waterproof card that has my phone number and the the, the information of all the not it doesn't have every sheriff office but it has the key honchos who are you know kind of riding her over everyone so perfect. encourage people to you know if they're gonna be if they think they're gonna paddle in the dark you know to have a, a rig ready for nighttime navigation uh, so that they're legal and, and safe and you know, we uh, encourage people to you know, pack food sunscreen uh, maybe some bug spray, um, a few other things that we uh, you know, just kind of make sure everybody is aware of. We offer ice and water at all the checkpoints. So if a person were self-supporting, they didn't have a, a ground team to meet them at the checkpoints, um, they can refill on water or get some ice you know, to kind of cool off their, you know, food they're packed along, or you know, just fill a uh, Nalgene with uh, ice so they have colder water as the day goes on. You know, that's one of the things that's part of the challenge and kind of our mantra is, you know, well, that's part of the challenge. Um, The sandbars (laughs) are part of, you know, is um, the weather can vary greatly. I mean, we've had, you know, stormy um, uh, evenings, you know, the end of the night, um, you know, thunderstorms roll through. We've had really hot, sunny conditions where, you know, it was uh, sunburn and dehydration risks, and we've had uh, one year where it never really got uh, up to 60 degrees, and we had a lot of people, especially in surf skis, which, you know, you can pretty much expose to the elements all day. It was rainy and cool all day, and we had people um, facing kind of some exposure, uh, and they went dehydrated, and they were getting cold out there, and... And, you know I guess the number one challenge to the entire event is there's the constant Midwestern wind um, and some years we've had it where it's just been brutal you know the it's um, yeah the most common wind direction unfortunately is the direction in which you're heading down river and it's to the coming out of the south east and uh, you know there's stretches of the river if you know, the water's moving at three miles an hour. The wind's going 15, 20 miles an hour the other direction. You know, you'll have some standing waves or just the uh, psychological torture of having that wind howling in your ears and in your face the whole time you're trying to, you know, <laughs> fight against it. So that um, by far is the, I guess, the most daunting uh, aspect of the event because you, you are moving water, but that wind, uh, the Midwestern wind, you know, if, you, if we were only going to host kayak races on non-windy days, we'd probably never have had any of them. So yeah, <laughs> uh, you do get some break, you know, here and there from the bluff or something, but you know that it'll be short-lived, and then you'll come around the bend, and then you'll have some some waves to play in or some uh, struggles with the wind. And uh, but then again, you know, we've gotten lucky. Last year, we had uh, a strong northwesterly wind. So people basically had a tailwind the uh, the whole day. We start out right at 7 a.m. sharp. So you know, we do try to, you know, if you're uh, paddling nice and strongly, um, you know, from 7 a.m. to noon, you're going to make quite a few miles. And, you know, the wind usually uh, picks up mostly in the afternoon. And, uh, you know, so on those days that we have had the more favorable wind, it's um, – We've had some record-setting times and, you know, have people as a whole finish uh, sooner than uh, in those years when we get that big, dominant, strong Southeastern man.
0: How beautiful. I know that you probably spend most of your time organizing the race, but have you ever had a chance to run it with the pack?
1: I have not. Um, the I've never... I've paddled <laughs> all of the... Uh, I've paddled the entire route of both of uh, well of of all four of the races that i organized but um and i took part in a race on the mississippi river a 55 mile race uh, between saint cloud and the twin cities so i have race i would certainly say it's a lot easier to race uh because it's just you know all you gotta do is paddle and stay hydrated and, and take your carbo gel uh you know keep eating and and sort of enjoy it you know you're worried about the crew of one that's in your boat or you and your buddy if you're paddling with a a friend like i was doing you know when you're organizing the race you're in charge of you know every person that's on the water and all the volunteers and the sport crews and family that are out there cheering people on and making sure the beer is cold and the food is uh, hot when people are finished and that you've got plenty of uh, finishers medals and the trophies all set. And so it's much more uh, complicated. But it's fun. I mean, the big reward, you know, the race is a little bit of extra money, which we always donate to, like, Missouri River Relief. Or um, this year, the the money we make from the Fortsfield Field 50, I'm going to donate to the Outdoor Women of South Dakota organization. And we've supported a number of uh, a number of conservation-focused groups uh, over the years um, to help them out. We donated money to uh, the search and rescue team that's based in Yankton County so they can um, send people to training or uh, make sure they have uh, leading-edge gear and that sort of thing. But, you know, we don't make a a living. You know, we pay our bills and cover the cost of the T-shirts and things, but um, as an organizer for these, thanks you get from people and you know just the beaming smiles and the photographs that people post i mean you make a difference in people's lives and you know they probably so the year uh, telling people about this uh, huge adventure they had on uh world-class water right in south Dakota. so that's uh yeah. that's why i do it
0: and it looks beautiful too
1: it is i mean and You know, like I said, with the whole logistics, I mean, you pay one registration fee and show up and, you know, a lot of the wrangling and, you know, logistics infrastructure that you'd have to figure out on your own, like, where do we start? Where do we end, et cetera. You know, we've done all that homework for a person so they can, if you get a kayak, a paddle and a life jacket and the money to register and a means to bring yourself to the event, um, you know, we kind of take care of the rest. Plus you get a free t-shirt. So (laughs) perfect that's nice
0: what's the pre-race day schedule look like i know there's some events and stuff going on beforehand
1: right um we have everyone uh come to registration on friday so the the races start at 7 a.m sharp on saturday morning so for the south Dakota kayak challenge people arrive in yankton on friday afternoon we open registration about two o'clock and uh, people come in then they um can um, drop off their boats at the staging area so you know that it's off the car and in a nice safe place uh, on the grass in uh, Riverside Park in Yankton and then once they get registered they get their packet with their t-shirt and uh, they sign their uh, insurance waiver and then we have a number of, of maps and other information and a lot of volunteers there who can answer questions for newcomers or you know just kind of clue everybody in And uh, then about um, uh, 7 o'clock, we do a safety briefing, and uh, we go over all the the rules, cover the forecast for the next day, answer any questions, make sure people understand how the checkpoints work, and uh, basically uh, field any questions that anybody might have. also give out some door prizes at that event, and then we host a a free meal for all the racers and their families uh, right in Riverside Park. When we do that, then we... Everybody is basically on their own until the next morning. We start staging at 5.45 a.m. And so people who wanna get to uh, be first in line or get some of that prime real estate uh, on the water's edge uh, come down. There's one area designated for the adventure class and the adventure class does have to start at least touching uh, the, the shore. The competitive class, we have them, uh, they can start on the water. They just have to be behind a certain point on the river. The reason why we do that is because we have, um, you know, we don't want to have someone who's maybe not as strong a paddler uh, get out there at like six a.m. and basically be treading water, or holding their position on the river for an hour and burning all that energy up um, just because maybe they were, uh, you know, overly enthusiastic. Yeah. Competitive paddlers, you know, they know what they're doing and they're not gonna. And usually waiting everybody's stage. So, you know, I, I say for spectators, you know, the, the coolest part of the event is, you know, that mass start at 7 a.m. We have the VFW uh, branch from Yankton. Uh, they come out with the um, flag uh, since it is Memorial Day weekend, and then they fire a volley, and that's the starting gun for the event. And then once people hear that, uh, those rifles fire, then they take off. And so for the first, you know, 10 minutes you have this really cool uh vista of you know 160 kayakers all heading down river at once uh mm-hmm. i would say 15 minutes later they're all spread out you know over the course of a a mile or so and and that's we've had communities reach out and say well we want to have a watch party at uh, one of the checkpoints and encourage locals to come and cheer people on and you know it can be you, know, you might have two or three come by and then half hour or three or four more come by and you know it's it spread out pretty widely uh, even by the first checkpoint and yeah so the day before is you know a great opportunity because then you'll have people who you know are in surf skis or have these outriggers or have these you know really wild carbon fiber boats and they'll be chatting with people that are in you know maybe a little you know 13 foot plastic boat with no rudder that you know and so that's a kind of a Bringing the community together, uh, people with tons of experience and lots of racing, uh, miles under their belts, uh, chatting with people who are you know, kind of making their first splash into a, a competitive paddling event, and um, so that's pretty cool. And um, you know, and having the meal together is an opportunity to you know just uh, have that community building, and um, and it's you know we have a beautiful park in uh, Yankton that where we can host that. The city has been really kind and always uh, lets people who wish uh, they can tent camp right in the park. So if, if like you were doing it on your own, Brandon, you could just uh, come up, tent camp right on the site and, you know, not even have to get a a hotel room the night before. We do have a lot of people, um, you know, want to sleep in a bed the night before and, and then they come down and we, lots of volunteers to help everybody make sure they, get their tents torn down or their, um, kayaks up to the spot to get checked in. And, uh, we, uh, you know, can't do it without our army of volunteers. That really makes it, uh, a fun event. And, you know, the volunteers, um, people that come back every year, cause I think they, they get that kind of contact high from helping people to do, you know, a big adventure like this. And we're just there to make sure everything's handled and taken care of. And, um, it's it's quite a bit of fun. It's uh, quite uh, a gorgeous sight to see all those paddlers tearing down the river and trading paint a little bit at the, at the start <laughs> there.
0: Wow. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it.
1: Yeah. Um, we'd love to have you. And um, it's at Memorial Day weekend. So Friday is the registration. Yankton is an amazing host city, plenty to do um several restaurants just, you know, right across the street. So, People come early, they get checked in, they maybe um, you know, set up their tent and you know, walk across the street and have have beer at a place or grab a burrito or you know, just kind of make an afternoon of it, chat with people, maybe uh, make some new friends, that sort of thing, and then um, a safety briefing, maybe win some prizes, uh, share in the free meal that we offer, and then you know people uh, kind of do what they will. Nice thing about it, too, is it's a real secure area, And we have plenty of volunteers, so people are safe there and all the kayaks, you know, no one's going to be walking through that area or messing with anybody's stuff. So, you know, if you are at a hotel nearby, you can have your kayak right at the site of the race. You don't have to leave it on your vehicle and, you know, do the whole uh, logistics of unloading it and placing it in the morning if you don't want to. You can do all that on Friday afternoon and just show up on Saturday and race the other aspect that I, I omitted there was, um, we do provide a shuttle. So again, you know, looking, thinking about that person who's doing it, you know, that doesn't have a wife or husband to support them. The Yankton on Friday afternoon, you your boat, yeah. uh, drive, drive your car down to the finish line at South Sea City, uh, at the hotel where we have our finish line and our headquarters. Uh, park there, lock your vehicle up, grab your keys, hop in a bus that we provide. And then you just take the shuttle back to uh Yankton, and then you hop out and take part in the safety briefing and basically you paddle to your car so oh, perfect. if you uh and like i said if you don't <clears throat> you know if you don't make it if you end up at checkpoint three and your shoulder is killing you and you can't go any farther then uh we'll uh keep a close eye on your boat and have a volunteer give you a ride down to your car, and then you can just uh, backtrack up and uh, get your kayak loaded up and head home or um, come down for the uh, award ceremony and stuff at the end of the event Saturday night.
0: Perfect. And how can uh, people find out more?
1: Well, um, SDKayakChallenge.org is our site, and uh, we also have a Facebook page. Um, there's also a few. Organic um, South Dakota kayak racing Facebook pages that a lot of people on there who've done uh, a number of our events. Uh, I'll be happy to share people's perspective, but if you just look up uh, South Dakota kayak challenge or sdkayachallenge.org, either online or on Facebook, you'll find information about the event. This year, the registration is sixty dollars until. I think the cutoff is right around the 1st of May, uh, so if people do want to uh, join us, we'd love to have you. Uh, very approachable. If people had questions or wanted to pick my brain and make sure they knew it was the right event for them, uh, feel free to email me. My email and phone is on the website. If uh, Memorial Day weekend is already booked for you in 2018, uh, we'd love to have you July 14th for the Fort Field 50 Paddle Battle. Uh, that's picked down to Springfield in South Dakota. And that uh, website, if you just search for to Field 50, either on Facebook or, on the, or just on the regular Internet, you'll find our website. It has complete details, uh, registration form, contact information for me as well.
0: Perfect. And I'll link to all those in the show notes and everything.
1: Yeah, I guess the only other thing I would say, um, just I guess as an addendum, is um, for people who are less familiar with the Missouri River, stretch that we have between yankton well actually the stretch between pickstown and, and sioux city is pretty amazing it, it's uh, below two different dams but uh those stretches because of their national parks um have really remained somewhat close to what the river was like before it was tamed by the uh, the pick sloan plan and the, the dams that stretch from north dakota down to yankton and it is really dynamic and, uh, and, and Uh, constantly changing, very powerful water. Uh, It's all class zero. There's no real rapids. It's, uh, you know, some places the river valley is two miles wide and the the water itself is, you know, three-quarters of a mile wide in some places. So it's just a – and it is the longest river in North America. Uh, The stretches people would be paddling on for these events are um, also uh, part of the uh, National Water Trail Program, and they're also designated as wild and scenic rivers. It's anniversary year this year for um, the legislation that uh, passed those laws and protected those waterways across the uh, entire country. And so we're celebrating that. And, um, you know, I think sometimes people think of South Dakota and they, of course, think of Mount Rushmore or maybe trips to the Black Hills as as children. But um, this uh, stretch of the river is I would say equally as beautiful, especially uh, more beautiful for people who uh, have an affinity for the water. And so if anyone were interested in uh, coming to check it out uh, during our events, it's a great way to get a baptism by fire, so to speak. Um, But uh, uh, I really hope, you know, people that do come and maybe take part in one of our events uh, come back and uh, explore or that waterway on their own, and you know, over the course of a few days or a couple of weeks, because there's uh, a lot of great places to see and a lot of amazing uh, history along the the, sh- the shore as well.
0: Yeah, it's a beautiful stretch of river. I've been up there once. I'm in Omaha, Nebraska, by the way. If I didn't mention that before. Yep.
1: Yeah, I thought that was the case. Yeah, it's you know, and it's funny because even on the challenge, when you get down to Ponca, then the, the river becomes channelized, like it is down by Omaha.
0: Yeah, and it's very swift. Then,
1: yeah, and it's, um, but you know the chunks up here, you know, you just it's surprisingly, you know, it'll be really wide, but the channel is really this only this like thirty yard chunk in the middle. So, certain amount of river navigation. Um, sometimes locals can not so much beat a guy in a surf ski just because they know the route. But uh, we've had a lot of people from outside the area who are like. Like those sandbars are like crocodiles, man. You just like, you think, oh, this, there's plenty of depth here. And then all of a sudden, shh, you know, you're like, yeah, beached out. Man. <laughs> yeah. They just come up out of the, out of the blue and snatch a kayak, you know, snatch them out of the, out of the boat, yeah. but they slow them way down. So, yeah, it's, um, it's a natural, uh, natural treasure. And we, uh, really enjoy, uh, sharing it with folks and, um, I guess I would like to say that if we lived near Mount, uh, what is it, uh, Denali, if we lived near Denali, the likelihood that you would have a photo of like, hey, here's me standing with um, Mount McKinley or Denali in the background, it would probably be high. You might not yeah. summit Denali because it's a you know, pretty arduous uh, journey up there, but <clears throat> and living near the longest river in North America, um, I just try to encourage people to, Make it a a part of their life if they're locals or if they're from never experienced it, come and uh, do so on our events. Uh, We'll take great care of you and uh, give you a world-class opportunity to be uh,
0: intimate with
1: the Longest River on the continent.